7. It's been a while since we did the study. So we've got to kind of remember the context. This is after Babylon came in and destroyed Jerusalem and led the people captive to Jerusalem. And they, they left behind just a very small contingent of poor Israelites to kind of... Uh, you know, tend the fields, uh, you know, keep the forest from overtaking uh, the land, and, uh, you know, pay tribute, and so forth. Uh, they appointed Gedaliah uh, to be like the governor over the land, and things were going really well. In fact, there were some Jews who had fled to other countries, that when they heard things were stable and everything was calm and peaceful, they came back and joined with Gedaliah. And Jeremiah himself had been given the option by Babylon whether to go into exile or to stay behind with those that were left behind, and he chose to stay with those who were left behind. And so he was there with them. And really, things looked good. I mean, they were going to have to pay tribute to Babylon, but overall, Babylon wasn't messing with them. And they could pretty much live their lives, you know, peaceful, quiet, calm lives. But there was this problem. One of the guys who'd come back, Ishmael, um, he had, there was another, he was kind of like, had been an ex-army captain. And there was another one, Johanan, who told Gedaliah that Ishmael was plotting to kill him and asked for permission to kill Ishmael so he didn't get the chance to kill Gedaliah. And Gedaliah doesn't believe it, doesn't think it's true, you know, and so he doesn't do anything about it. So he he's, has a meal and Ishmael is invited, and Ishmael does kill Gedaliah. You know, and he kills some other Babylonian bodyguards and things like that. Well, that really scares everybody because, I mean, when you kill the governor that Babylon appointed, is Babylon going to do what to everybody now? So they managed to, to rescue the people that Ishmael ca captured, and he fled on down to Ammon. But now they've got to figure out what are they going to do because when, when Babylon, you know, finds out that some Babylonian guards plus the one they appointed as governor has been assassinated, I mean, they're just going to want to retaliate against all the Jews. That's what they think. And so they're sitting ducks. They've got to do something. So they make the decision that they're going to flee to Egypt, kind of for asylum, you know, because maybe Babylon won't mess with Egypt. Egypt hopefully wouldn't extradite them, and they'd be safe. And so they're on their way to Egypt, and, and it's everybody. Jeremiah's kind of grouped in with this group. I mean, he's, all of them have, uh, have gone. And they come to Jeremiah in chapter 42, and basically say, in verse 3, they want him to tell us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we should do. And they say... Uh, that they will, uh, in verse 5 of 42, then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message with which the Lord your God will send you to us. Whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. So basically they say, Jeremiah, find out from God what he wants us to do, and we will listen. We will do what God wants us to do. 
So you just find out what he wants, and we'll do it. Whether, whether we like it, whether we don't, whether we think it's good news or bad news, whatever it is, we want to know what God says, and that's what we'll do. Now, what do you think about an attitude like that? That's good. Great attitude. That's exactly the attitude we ought to have. Whatever God says, like it or not, we think it's a really good idea, or we think it's a stupid idea, he's God. We do it. We listen. We obey. So that's what they tell Jeremiah. And the idea is Jeremiah's got to find out what God's word is to give it back to them. I don't know exactly what they expected um, Jeremiah to do. It's kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting situation because uh, they just put their word on the fact they will do anything. So that that's the situation up to this point, and that's where we're starting. Do you have a question or comment up to this point? Alright, well, what does the Lord say? Well, how is he going to respond? What's his advice or, or, or orders going to be really here? So that's the 7 to 17. Now at the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he called for Jehonan, the son of Kareah, and all the commanders of the forces that were with him, and for the people both small and great. And said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will indeed stay in this land, then I will build you up and not tear you down, and I will plant you and not uproot you, for I will relent concerning the calamity that I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you are now fearing, and do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. I will also show you compassion, so that he will, so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your own soil. But if you are going to say, We will not stay in this land, so as to not listen to the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go to the land of Egypt, where we will not see war or hear the sound of a trumpet or hunger for bread, and we will stay there. Then in that case, listen to the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If you really set your mind to enter Egypt, and go and to reside there, then the sword which you are afraid of will overtake you there in the land of Egypt in the famine which you are anxious, will follow closely after you there in Egypt, and you will die there. So all the men who set their mind to go to Egypt to reside there will die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, and they will have no survivors or refugees from the calamity that I am going to bring on them. Now, notice how long it took before Jeremiah responded to them in verse 7. How long did it take? That's a kind of a long time when they ask you a question before you answer it. Why did it take him so long to answer? He does the same. What was he waiting on? For the commander of forces to be with him? No, I don't think so on God, yeah. I think the idea is God didn't immediately answer. If God doesn't immediately answer, what's Jeremiah supposed to say? He doesn't speak until God gives him the message. And so you wait until God gives it to you. I think that speaks well of Jeremiah. This wasn't something he just dreamed up. You know, if he's going to dream it up, he could answer it right then. You know, he didn't invent this message. He waited, and finally God spoke. And when God speaks, he brings them all together, and he says, here's what God says. And basically, what's God's message? Stay here. Don't go to Egypt. 
Stay here. Don't go to Egypt. Yeah. Pretty simple. And if they go to Egypt? It's going to be outside. Yeah, it's going to be horrible. Terrible suffering <coughs> to go to Egypt. Now they are thinking that Egypt is asylum, Egypt's security and protection, Egypt's what's going to keep them from dying. God says just the opposite. God said, if you stay here, everything will go great. And I'll be compassionate and I'll bless you. But if you go to Egypt, well, sword and famine and plague and no survivors and, you know, the very thing they thought uh, would happen if they stayed in the land is actually what will happen if they go to Egypt. It's just the opposite of what they had understood, what they had thought. Of course, do we always know what's going to happen in the future? No. Are, are, is our logic always perfect about those things? You know, do, I mean, think about it in your life. Has there been times that you really thought something was going to happen and it, it happened almost just the opposite of what you expected? We're not uh, infallible. You know, we're not gods. So we're not able to just figure out you know, how things are going to be and what's going to happen in the future and all that, God's the one that knows. And so, they asked, God answered, stay here, don't go to Egypt. Comments and questions? John? I thought uh, they were relying on Egypt uh, during the reign of Jehoiachin, or Jehoiachin, and then Egypt got defeated by Babylon, and then Babylon was kind of they had relied on Egypt. But Egypt was was defeated by Babylon in the sense that they lost that Battle of Carchemish, which was way up on the Euphrates River, which basically pushed Egypt back to Egypt. And they took over that area of Syria and Israel and all that, but they had not invaded Egypt. Egypt was still secure within its borders, but Egypt didn't really have any authority in that whole land of Palestine and up to the Euphrates River. That's really what Babylon got when they defeated. E Egypt had gone way up to Carchemish, trying to hold off the Babylonians way up there, but they got defeated, so Babylon then basically owns all the territory to the border of Egypt. Okay. Now, later, Nebuchadnezzar will invade Egypt. These guys don't know that's what's going to happen. So later, actually, Babylon does invade Egypt and defeat Egypt within its own country. Yeah, good question. Other comments or questions? And that's not all the Lord has to say. 18 to 22. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and, my, and wrath have been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you where you enter Egypt, and you will become a curse and an object of horror, an imprecation and a reproach. And you will see this place no more. The Lord has spoken to you, O remnant of Judah. Do not go into Egypt. You should, you should clearly understand that you, today, I have testified against you. For you have only deceived yourselves, for it is you who sent me to the, who sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, Whatever the Lord our God says, tell us so, and we will do it. So I have told you today, but you have not obeyed the Lord your God, and even in whatever he has sent me to tell you. Therefore, you should now clearly 
understand that you will die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence, in the place where you wish to go to reside. Wow, uh, so what does he add? What's he say here, basically? You've chosen wrong, so I'm going to destroy you. <coughs> yeah, I mean, he's assuming almost that they're going to choose to go to Egypt anyway, and he's really warning them even more strongly how terrible this would be. I told you, don't go to Egypt. You know, you just deceived yourself when you said, we'll do whatever the Lord says. I told you, and you've not obeyed. Don't go to Egypt. Now you wonder why he says that when they've not even told what they're going to do. Well, what does God know? Yeah, he knows how they're going to respond. You know, and so he's giving them another warning and just, I mean, he really, there should be no doubt what the Lord's word is about going to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Going to Egypt is national suicide. It will be terrible. Do not go to Egypt. You said you listened to anything I told you. Don't go to Egypt. There it is. And so, but we, we probably, if we're just reading this for the first time, by the time you get all that, you're thinking, the Lord knows that they want to go to Egypt. You know, the Lord's anticipating that's what their response is going to be. Comments and thoughts? Well, let's see how they answer. I mean, this is kind of a... If, if they really do want to go to Egypt, they said, we'll do anything God tells us, no matter what it is, how in the world are they going to get out of this one? Well, they turn creative. Uh, chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people all the words of the Lord their God, for which, which the Lord their God had sent the, to them all these words, that Azariah the son of Hoshiah, Jonan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men spoke, saying to Jeremiah, You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, Do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may put us to death or carry us away captive to Babylon. So Jonan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces, and all the people will not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Jonan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces, took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah, from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, guard had left with Gedaliah, the son of Aikam, the son of Saphon, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they went as far as Tapanis. Okay, so Jeremiah finishes speaking. What do they say? You're lying. You're lying. <coughs> lying? What do they say is happening? 
It's a plot on the part of Baruch, Jeremiah's secretary. He's who told you to say this. This isn't really God's message at all. They accuse Jeremiah of listening to his secretary and not listening to God. I mean, really? Why would they say that? Because they didn't hear what they wanted to hear. Exactly. They wanted to go down to Egypt. And when Jeremiah tells them God's word that said, don't go to Egypt, well, that must be a lie. God couldn't have said that because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. It wasn't what they thought God would say. Now, what are the chances Jeremiah is being manipulated by Baruch? That's really, that's bizarre. I mean, that's a very creative response. I mean, I would have never thought to say that. But I mean, they don't want to say we're just not going to do what God says. I mean, who wants to just flat out say, we don't care what God says, we're going to do what we want to. It's easier to say God didn't say it. It's easier to say, oh no, that's what, not, not what God meant. I mean, isn't that kind of Satan's old trick? Remember when he first spoke to Eve in the garden? What did he say? You shall not share the God. Even before that, has God said you can't eat of every... You know, he's trying to kind of get her to question, is that what God really said? And, uh, you know, if, if you can get... You, if you can work it out in your head, no, that's not really what God was saying. Isn't that what false teachers do? Don't they somehow twist what God says and make it to where, no, that's not what he's really saying. That's not what it really means. Whatever it is we're trying to justify. You know, whatever you're trying to justify. I mean, people have done that with all kinds of teachings of the Bible. If I really want to do this, then I'll figure out something in the Bible that justifies it. Or I remember uh, this was probably uh, this was well, this was almost about thirty-five years ago. But uh, I was working in a congregation, and uh, this this young couple, really really nice young couple, there was a couple in their apartment complex that they taught the gospel to, and they baptized. And then it came out that this couple, I forget even the details, but one of them was in a second marriage. And so I called the couple to talk to them. I said, you know, what What about this? Well, you know, we've been sort of restudying this subject, and we're not sure we believe what we used to believe about that. Well, they wanted to justify the couple. The bottom line is the couple really did have the right to remarry, but they didn't know it. They hadn't asked them, and they were just trying to already come up with a loophole before they even knew what the facts were. But, you know, it's easy to do that, to, to what all of a sudden, I see it differently now that I want God to, you know, permit a certain thing. So they're trying to come up with a way that they can both obey God and go to Egypt. Well, the best way to do it is just to say, oh, that's not really what God said. That was really just Baruch manipulating Jeremiah. And so we've got to be really careful about that. There's, it's so easy for us to try to find a way to justify our own agenda. <laughs> you know, And it's so hard for them to think that God could possibly be saying something opposite of what they wanted to. You know, what we, so often we are governed by what we, what we think God ought to say. 
Well, I think he, he must build, he must want me to do this, <laughs> you know. And so we'll come up with that justification. Thoughts and comments on that. When they asked the question, it almost sounded to me like they were asking, "What route should we take?" To yes. <laughs> Which way should we walk? You know, how should we do that? Yeah, I think you are right. I think when they ask the question. They really, in their mind, assumed certainly God wanted to go to Egypt, but they'd like for some information and instructions about the process and, you know, things like that. I, but I agree with you. I think they almost took it for granted. Well, of course God wants them to go to Egypt. I mean, how could he not want them to do that? Clearly they need to do that. And, and that's the problem. So often we think on our own, and we just, sure, well, certainly, this has to be what God wants. Now, maybe we're looking for some details about how to do it. But when we decide on our own ahead of time, this is what it's got to be. Then what do we do when we come to the Bible? What are we looking for? Why we're right. Yes! You know, can you give me some passages that show that it's okay to do this? <laughs> you know... Where in the Bible can I find the stuff that tells me it's okay for that? Well, shouldn't I first ask, uh, what does the Bible say about it, and, and is it okay? You know, but so often I come to the Bible trying to find the passages that will tell me what I want to hear. Well, if that's my presumption or assumption already, that's not going to work very well. So they end up going back to Egypt. They don't obey, and they end up, really, uh, you remember what Egypt means they'd come from Egypt a few hundred years before so really they end up right back where they began back in the land of bondage and uh, they uh, that the Jeremiah even is drugged down there with them I, I don't really know if Jeremiah wanted to go or if he didn't have a choice but one way or the other he goes down to Egypt with them uh, certainly he wasn't rejecting the will, will of the Lord. Either he went down because they're going to need a prophet down there, or he went down because they didn't let him choose for himself. But uh, but they end up where they said, you know, they were going to listen to God. They don't listen to him. And so they're down in Egypt, trusting Egypt to protect them. Comments and thoughts on all this? Just the, uh, the message from the Lord was so contrary to what they thought. It was like unbelievable. Not only should you stay, but things will go well. Yes. And yes. Like, that's not even possible. <laughs> it's got to be something Baruch told him. It can't possibly be from God. Because God can't have been. Oh, this is <laughs> We've got a little ghost in here. Um... Yeah, you know, if, 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 if what the Bible says really is so different from what I believe, then that must not really be what it's saying. That can't really be right. And people do a lot of different things. I mean, sometimes it is, we'll just twist the scriptures to try to get it to fit what we want. Sometimes we'll just reject the scriptures. Well, you know, I don't think the Bible is supposed to be read like, you know, 
we just have to obey everything it says. The Bible is, we're supposed to use our own understanding too. And it was written by men, and you know, men don't always get it right. And, you know, it's it's got some mistakes in it too. And, I mean, you see a lot of people that, in fact, there's almost a progression. You know, here's what God says. Here's what I want. First thing I do is try to twist the scriptures to get it to say what I want. But as I go on, pretty soon I'm just kind of doubting whether the scriptures are really always right. And maybe that's not really what God wants. And after all, you know, God speaks in my heart too. And God speaks through other people too. And, and you know, it, it, we, just start, we just start undermining our faith and trust in God. And why? Because I, don't, I want to find something that I don't find when I really read the Bible for what it is. And so I keep you know, having to come up with other ways to justify it. That's really common. We really have to police our heart. Do I, am I willing to do whatever God says? What if I don't agree with it? What if it's not convenient or comfortable? It takes a lot of commitment and determination to, to stick with what God says, no matter what. So really, this is so modern. <laughs> This is exactly what people do today, and it's happening all the time, and more and more. And, and you will be tested a lot in your life with things that aren't what you wanted to be, and with Christian friends who are saying, no, no, that's not what's right. It's over here. And we'll have to really study and keep a heart that loves God. Maybe. It kind of reminds me of like Joel Osteen's wife, how she said like, God just wants you to do good because it makes you happy. Like that. Yes. And that's got to be right. You know, because after all, oh. that makes sense. That's what I want to hear. He just wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to, he doesn't care if we do good. He just wants us to be happy. Well, he's such that a good one. God. He's such a loving God. And we're his children. How could he ever not want us to be happy? Yeah, exactly. You see how people work that out in their mind. You know, you get what you want it to be, and then you reason and you think and you listen to different people, and pretty soon you've got to convince that's got to be what God said. It's really easy. Chris? There are several things I think that we do is, in our, in our nation, you always hear our God given rights. <laughs> right. But you hear that over and over, and I hear Christians say that. Well, we have a God given right, you know, freedom. And you know, right. God given right of, of pursuit of happiness and the, you know, just several things like that. And none of that is God given right. You take for granted what you want, what you like, or you hear something so often you actually think that is what God said. Yeah, you don't even question it sometimes. Well, of course God wants us to go to Egypt. God certainly wants us to go to Egypt. Everybody says God wants us to go to Egypt. It can't be true that God's not saying to go to Egypt. I mean, so it really forces us to keep our eyes and ears and heart open. We really got to read the Word a lot and, and really see, you know, what's it really saying? Not what does everybody say it's saying, not what do I want it to say. You know, what they said they did, listen no matter what and do it, we got to not only just say that, that's got to be our heart. We do want to just do what God says. Uh, but boy, it's a lot easier to say I want to do what he says than to really practice that. Other thoughts? 
Okay. Do you know if they're still traveling this whole 10 days while they're waiting for the message? I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. Um, you would hope they'd stop to find out, but maybe not. Yeah. So they were already on their way, and so if they kept going, well, we've already come this, this far, and he waited 10 days, so he must have been improving during those 10 days. And well, the fact that they were already on their way tells you something right there, doesn't yeah. it? You know, it's like if they were so concerned with God's will, why didn't they ask that before they started on the trip? <laughs> you know, you get halfway there and you say, and, and, and did you want us to be going, God? <laughs> you know, it's kind of reminds you, remember Jehoshaphat in First uh, Kings 22, that Ahab says, will you join your forces with ours to fight against the Arameans at Ramoth Gilead? He said, sure! And is there a prophet of God we could ask about this? You see the problem? <laughs> Shouldn't you ask the prophet of God first before you commit? So he does insist on asking the prophet. The prophet says, don't go, and he goes anyway. Well, why did he even want to know what God said if he wasn't going to do it? Well, a lot of times we'd like to hear God confirm what we said. We feel better about it. But he'd already said yes before he asked what God's word was. That's always a problem. When we decide it before we ask, Usually we're not going to overturn what we decided just because we find something different in the Bible. We'll decide it's a lie. <laughs> you know, or we'll decide that's not really what it means or whatever. Other questions or comments? I'm not sure where it's at, that they were already going. I see intending to go in 4117, but they have only gone near Bethlehem. Yeah. In order to proceed in Egypt, yeah, that's in verse seven, forty-one, seventeen. So they were that. I think the idea is they were yeah. all that put them on the road toward Egypt. Not that they were in Egypt, but yeah. they were going that direction. Yeah, very good. Other thoughts? All right, good, good thoughts. Um, eight to thirteen. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and, and to something, saying, Take large stones in your hand and hide them in the side of the men of Judah, in the clay in the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house in the place. <laughs> and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden. And he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he, will, he shall strike the land of Egypt, and deliver to death those appointed for death, and to captivity those appointed for captivity, and to the sword those appointed for the sword. And I will, I will kindle a fire in the house of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. And he shall array himself with the land of Egypt, as a shepherd puts on his garment, and he shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians he shall burn with fire. Okay, so he says to Jeremiah, take these large stones and bury them at the entrance of Pharaoh's palace. That's kind of odd, you know. The prophets sometimes do things that leave you scratching your head. Why did God tell him to bury stones there at the entrance of Pharaoh's palace? 
But he's got a point to that. And what's his message associated with that? What's going to happen over these stones, these buried stones? Nebuchadnezzar and Babylonia for marching and take over Egypt. And they're going to rule over those stones. It's an interesting way of saying it, but the point is, is going to Egypt going to protect them from Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians? Not exactly. He says that Nebuchadnezzar is going to put his throne right over these stones. Nebuchadnezzar is going to invade Egypt, going to conquer Egypt, and going to rule over Egypt. So Egypt's not going to protect anybody from Nebuchadnezzar. Egypt is going to be another one of his victims. So much for going to Egypt to try to get away from the Babylonians is not going to work. He's going to do to Egypt what he'd done to Judah to a great extent. In fact, some were going to be killed in verse 11, taken into captivity. He's going to set fire to the temples and burn them. Jerusalem, deja vu. You know, they're going to go down there and experience a lot of what they had experienced in Jerusalem. The Egyptian gods were not going to be any match for the Lord. And the Lord is saying that... Uh, the, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar was going to conquer uh, Egypt. In fact, um, I'm trying to remember for sure which prophet this was. Sometimes I need to, uh, you know, think about that before I, I speak. But I believe it was uh, Ezekiel, where God had sent Nebuchadnezzar to fight against Tyre. And you know that was God's plan. An Egyptian, uh, uh, Babylon fought for many years against Tyre, and drove them off the mainland onto an island. But they didn't get any spoil for it. They didn't get any payment. So God gave Nebuchadnezzar Egypt to pay him for having fought against Tyre for him. I think that's Ezekiel that that says that. So God's intention was, I think it's like Ezekiel 29, but don't quote me on that. But, uh, but that was God's intention that, that Nebuchadnezzar invade and conquer Egypt. So that's what's going to happen. So their plan didn't really work. They got to Egypt all right, but it was no protection like they thought it would be. It sort of backfires in their hands. Comments and questions? Yeah. Um, in verse 11... Uh, and says, uh, when he come, and when he comes, he shall strike the men of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death, and to captivity those appointed for captivity, and to the sword those appointed to the, for the sword. What does it mean by for the sword? Because it talks about death before that. So, there are other ways to die besides the sword. Okay. So maybe famine, plague, things okay. like that. Yeah. Good question. Other thoughts, questions, comments. I'm not sure I understand that idea of him, he's going to wrap Egypt around him. What, what's that saying? Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. That's kind of a debated statement. But like it's saying, you know, maybe he's just going to handle Egypt as easily as you can handle a robe you wrapped around you. He's going to just be able to whip it into shape and put it wherever he wants it. Uh, but I, as I recall, there's some debate about the right way to even translate that. So I'm not sure. 
I think it's cool. We've been studying Jeremiah in a bit in a Bible class, and something I've been learning about the different things that God tells the prophets to do. Sometimes it's you know not even in the presence of anyone, uh, and I just think that's neat for uh, someone who's going to be declaring the word of God that God's making sure that they understand that very very well before they teach, and so that this them him bearing these stones in the sight of some of the Jews uh, I think it's partially for the Jews but also for Jeremiah himself that he can tell people with more confidence yeah good point Yeah, God, God uh, gives object lessons and things like that to make it more concrete to make it uh, stronger and plainer you know God wants his people to really know the truth and he gives every aid to them to understand. Other thoughts? Well, chapter 44 is really Jeremiah's last exhortation. Now, we're not to the end of Jeremiah yet. 